Hello, dear listeners. This is Chris Abalo's podcast experiment, and I am Chris Abalo. Welcome to yet another episode of the show, Cape 25. Can't believe it's been almost a year already that I've been doing this this little solo show, but it's been great. And uh, thank you very much. If you've been listening to the show, if you're just getting started with it, then welcome. It's never too late for you to start or for you to get a friend to start or for you to subscribe on iTunes and give the show five stars and write a little review and check out chrisabalo.com. That's right. It can all be done. No, seriously, thank you all for your support over what's rapidly becoming the first, the end of the first year. Holy crap, a year already. So uh, thank you for tuning in. Actually, that's funny to say tuning in because this is a podcast, so it's likely you put this on on purpose. It's not as if you're flipping the dial on your car radio and, okay, that's nice and modern. Uh, your car radio probably doesn't have a dial. You didn't hit the auto-seek button and stumble upon this show somewhere on a terrestrial radio. No, you probably sought it out. Let's hope you sought it out. Or you're stuck in the car with somebody who's like, let's listen to this guy talk. Anyway, I'll be talking to Jeff DePoli in just a few minutes. Actually, I already did talk to him and recorded it, and uh, it's going to get pasted onto the ass end of this little monologue. So, semantics. Anyway, I know I've talked about this before, but I have to come back to it because it's gotten, it continues to get ridiculous. And that is just the way pedestrians act, especially in parking lots. It just drives me nuts when I'm driving anywhere. This drives me nuts because unless you're creeping around the parking lot to make sure nobody's anywhere near your car as long as it's in motion, sorry, you're going to end up making somebody mad because everybody thinks you're aiming for them or their kid and they just get all, I I hate that, just the whole, whoa, 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 just because someone's walking through a parking lot and your car is moving. Hey, it's a parking lot. There are cars there. Go figure. Don't you think you should be on the lookout for something that could easily mow you down? I think you should be. I am when I'm walking around parking lots. I'm looking around for cars and make sure it's clear to walk. Yeah, occasionally somebody will dart out of a a corner or turn around a corner, let's say, and then they won't know you're there. How can they? They can't see through corners unless they're in the X-Men or something, and they'll just give you the polite wave kind of as an apology, and it's no big deal because it's not on purpose, but people, especially out here, I don't know what it is about Los Angeles that makes people so angry. When you're there walking and you're in your car and it's just the whole, whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah, again, parking lot. There are cars moving around. If I'm driving through a batting cage, feel free to go, whoa, 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 at me as I'm driving through somewhere cars aren't supposed to be. Otherwise, knock it off. And don't say, watch where you're going, because if I didn't watch where I was going, I would have hit you. So shut up about that. I guess people just hate cars out here. Uh, That's probably why there are so many dicks riding around on bikes. Oh, the bicyclers don't even get me started. You know, that's way too long of a rant to put at the front of this. So we'll save that for another time. But yeah, everyone just don't get pissed off if there's a car near you in a crowded place like a parking lot, because all parking lots in this county are crowded. So relax. Nobody's looking to cut you down as you're walking through the parking lot at Wendy's. Don't be so paranoid. Maybe it's all the sun or the pot. Okay, now to get onto a more serious note, last week, sadly, we all heard about the passing of Harold Ramis, who had what everyone has to regard as an incredible career in show business, in movies specifically, because here's the guy who wrote tons of movies, wrote Meatballs and Caddyshack and Stripes, and uh, directed Caddyshack, 
and National Lampoon's Vacation, the first Griswold adventure. And he was already quite successful as a writer, as a director. He didn't need to play the co-lead in what on paper probably seemed like a goofy sci-fi comedy and then became Ghostbusters. And lo and behold, that's his signature role. He will forever be remembered as Egon Spengler first, I believe, and then a director probably second, and then a writer probably third, because he also made Groundhog Day and Analyze This, and just an incredible body of work, one that I think anybody would envy, whether you were, particularly actors, I should say, to have created so many movies that have stood the test of time already, just Vacation, Caddyshack, Analyze This is regarded, I I would say at this point, it's about 15 years old, it's got to be regarded as a comedy classic. Ghostbusters, even though he didn't direct it, but he still co-wrote it and starred in it, even the second one. Co-wrote the Rodney Dangerfield classic Back to School, or at least did uh, something of a, a spit polish on it. An incredible list of credits. If you go through his page on IMDb, it'll just it'll blow your mind, the stuff he's done. And uh, it's, it's such a shame. I mean, only 69 years old. It's crazy to think that he's, you know, I mean, that's well before sure people die before their time or or what we consider to be an appropriate age or reasonable age every single day but i mean 69 years old is still not no that's not enough time especially with such a i mean look i'm sure he was happy with the legacy of of films he made animal house i forgot about that he co-wrote animal house uh, as one of his early gigs but what a shame what a loss and uh, i mean look thankfully we have his movies to look at forever and uh, as I said, Ghostbusters, as iconic as it probably gets, even, I mean, we'll see what happens if they end up doing a third one or they just reboot it or whatever. But Ghostbusters will stand the test of time. Groundhog Day probably will, too, I think. I mean, maybe there, there are aspects of Animal House, even though he didn't star in it or direct it. But that's kind of a archetype as far as uh, certainly college movies. Every college movie since has, I'd say, been patterned after Animal House. But certainly nobody can argue the classic status of certainly the first Ghostbusters as well as Groundhog Day. And uh, it's it's just a shame. And then a few days later, Paco de Lucia died as well. Uh, I hope I'm saying his name right. I don't think it's Paco de Lucia, although maybe somebody pronounces it that way. And uh, I actually didn't get into him until, geez, maybe 12 years ago or so when I was getting really serious and taking guitar lessons very, very seriously and was very committed to learning the craft of (laughs) being a guitar player. And I don't even remember how I was turned on to it, but, uh, and incidentally, that'll be the recommendation for this show. Aside from looking up Harold Ramis's stuff, a ton of it's on Netflix now, the first two Ghostbusters movies and uh, back to school has gone on and off of there. I just assume, by the way, I'm not getting a kickback from Netflix, but I assume that in 2014, everybody has it more so than other services and uh, they seem to have the most titles compared to other movie streaming services that I've seen. But uh, I know the first two Ghostbusters movies are on there. It's actually a movie he did, he directed, called The Ice Harvest with John Cusack and Billy Bob Thornton, which is on there, which I saw. It is a dark comedy, but I did quite enjoy it. Anyway, back to Paco de Lucia. He did this live album with Al Dimiola and John McLaughlin, two other incredible guitar players. Friday night in San Francisco, all acoustic, and it's just incredible. It's probably one of those that if you didn't play guitar, you'd probably want to buy an acoustic guitar. Uh, Actually, it could go one of two ways. You either want to buy one or you'd say, this is why I'll never play guitar because I'll never be as good as these guys. So check out that album. I'm sure you can find the full album on YouTube, and it's most CDs now, especially anything 
that came out prior to <laughs> the last five years is probably between five and seven dollars. So I say just pick it up. And I'm sure it's available digitally as well. But uh, yeah, Friday night in San Francisco, Paco de Lucia, Al Dimiola, John McLaughlin. But it's incredible stuff. So check that out. Check out anything Harold Ramis has done. Actually, if you don't have the Caddyshack Blu-ray, I realize that's not a high-def essential, but there's a feature-length documentary, and by that I mean 90 minutes or so, about the making of Caddyshack that was done for, I believe, the Bio Channel. And uh, it, it was really fascinating to see how that movie evolved into being about the caddies, as it was written anyway, and what the intention was, with a bunch of cameos by Chevy Chase, Ronnie Dangerfield, Bill Murray. And um, the f- <laughs> the fact that it through production turned into it's about the golfers and they weren't just cameos those guys became the stars and the caddies kind of took a back seat to the story plus all the all the drugs and the drinking and the partying everything that was going on when that movie was being made it's incredible it got made at all and that it came out great so yeah it's definitely grab the the caddyshack blu-ray at some point aside from checking out everything so you haven't seen ghostbusters turn this off right now and watch ghostbusters for crying out loud come on all right, let's get down to my chat with uh, Jeff DePoli, who's an all-around entertainer, as you'll find out. Uh, we bonded when it came to uh, voice acting and voiceover because he's done various bits and pieces and has a several impression arrows in his quiver. So we kind of bonded over that, and uh, he has a podcast as well, which uh, we'll talk about. You know what? You need to hear from me. Let's hear it from him. Let's get right down to it. Here is me chatting with Jeff DePoli. see my voice yeah you see there's a big difference in the volume there's my voice it's like an angel singing that's what you think not quite not quite at all that's from little mermaid the broadway musical okay (laughs) all right whatever you say i'm not making that up hello jeff DePoli. hi so you <laughs> somewhat famously have a, a song to spell out your last name. Oh, so we that, need to hear that. That is true. So go for it. Okay. Well, it's Jeff, Jeff DePoly with a D, then followed by an E. It's followed by an E, not an I. It's an E with a capital P, not a lowercase P. Then it's A-O-L-I, DePoly. Now you know who every gay audience member is. If they know, <laughs> if they know what that was a parody of. The, oh, is it? Oh, oh okay. yes. That's a parody of Liza with a Z, not Lisa with an S, because Lisa with an S goes snuds. It's instead of S, Lion said, Billy, it's simple. It's going to be seen, Liza. Then M, double N, then E, double I, you double up the N. That's not new. Then E, double L, end it with an I. That's the way you say Manelli, Liza Manelli. Yeah. Oh, my God. I'm exhausted just yeah. listening to that. Liza with a Z, <laughs> DePauli with a D. <laughs> I had no idea. That came about because of a. Um, I was doing a cabaret act called My Obsession with TV, and I was doing a parody of all of those. Um, you remember, like, I love the 80s, I love the 90s. Right, TV, right. And I loved them. And I was doing a parody of them, and I think I did an I Love Liza or something like that. <laughs> and I love Liza. Yeah, it was like one of those things. And then uh, DePauly with a D came along. And it's so weird because I just sat down. I was like, oh, that'd be kind of fun to do a parody of Liza with a Z. I sat down with my name, and I was like, two minutes later, I had DePauly with a D. I was like, it works. <laughs> I really thought you were that committed to getting people to spell your name properly that you came up with that. <laughs> no, no. Because I'd be lying if I told you I knew that song already. Yeah, well, so, heterosexual. There we go. There you- That's part of the problem. <laughs> While we're on the subject, you did want to talk about gay porn, which I don't have a whole lot to, to speak about it, but you did ask if it was okay, and I uh, said sure, as long as I was just kind you of don't cu- mind ripping. I, no, I just wanted to see how far you'd go. That's all. Because I frankly have hey, no now, idea. This is ra- only radio, so <laughs> how far I'd go has nothing to do with it. 
No, no, I had no idea what we'd be talking about. So I said, well, we could talk about gay porn if you want, but no, that's probably not the best subject. Oh, okay. Well, then we'll we'll switch subjects rapidly over to uh, voiceover, which is kind of how you and I cross paths. We cross paths in in our our entertainment-oriented work. Mm -hmm. And you're a a huge, I I classify you as a Disney file. Oh, yeah. You seem to be heavily obsessed with all things Disney. Disney fanatic, for sure. Yeah. Well, you do. I should say, actually, you do have a a podcast currently available on... iTunes and YouTube. It's called Disney Coast to Coast. Cool. And you co-host that with a friend of yours in Florida, right? Exactly. So I'm here in Los Angeles, close to the Disneyland Resort. He's in Orlando near the Walt Disney World Resort. And we kind of do this weekly show where we uh, nerd out on Disney. And (laughs) it's a lot of fun. That is. I do. I have to say, for my sins, I haven't caught the show yet. Although it did just start... How yeah, we're like four or five we're, in. We're recording episode seven tomorrow, so and they come oh, okay. out on Sundays. So I got you. Okay, yeah. I, I mean, I was just aware of it. We kind of that came up in the conversation, the kind of quick uh, voiceover conversation about podcasting, and just saying, "Oh, I have one. Oh, I have one." I said, "Well, come on, mine, and well, we'll go pod- from there." Podcasting is so interesting because, to be completely honest, I was so not in that world, and I'd heard about podcasting and obviously knew what it was, and a lot of um, people kind of listened to it but i was like i don't i don't know i just never got into it so a friend of mine back in december had a podcast called that 90s podcast he's like you've (laughs) got to come on we're gonna we'll talk about the disney renaissance Mm -hmm. and we'll talk about which talked about honey i shrunk the kids and the rosie o'donnell show and what was the other thing oh it was all stuff that i was obsessed with uh the rosie (laughs) o'donnell show Oh, goodness gracious. There was something. Oh, and Newsies. Oh, yeah, that's um, right. That was a 90s film, wasn't it? Heck yeah, 1992. And so I was like, absolutely, I'll come on. So I go on. I do it. I have a blast. And my friend is like, you need to do your own podcast. You'd be really good at it. You'd you'd have fun with it. I'm like, yeah, I just so don't have time whatsoever. (laughs) I seriously don't have way too many projects going on. I don't Mm -hmm. have time. It's so easy. It's like you just record it. You put it. It's a blast. Okay. Fast forward to uh, January. I convinced my friend in Orlando to do this podcast with me. It's not easy. It's 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 fun for sure. Oh yeah, you can have a lot of fun once it's up and running. But holy moly, getting it going, especially with him being in Orlando and me being here, it was it was time consuming to say the least, and not as hard as video production and stuff. Oh, definitely not. But, but yeah, there's a lot that goes into it as far as planning, especially when you don't know what it is yet. Yeah, there's a whole lot of what are we doing yeah. and who and kind of not identifying an audience i mean you at least had a specific subject you guys are going for disney oriented yeah. chatter all the time so it's kind of difficult when you don't really know what you're shooting for you're like yeah. well we're going to talk i mean maybe you did though knowing full well you well, guys are doing disney yeah my uh whole thing with podcasting is it, i like it just because it's so unrehearsed that's oh, my yeah. favorite thing about it is Definitely. not only does it save on time and obviously we do our research and such, but we, in fact, <laughs> Patrick and I were on the phone last night and he's very excited because um, the the new parade opened at Walt Disney World. It's called Festival of Fantasy. And he was looking <laughs> very, very forward to it. And he saw it twice already and loved it. And so we'd be on the phone and, we'd, and of course, I watched it on YouTube. And he was like, did you see that dragon float? And would like start going on. And like, wait a second, we can't talk about this. We have to talk about it on the show. So like we literally just kept interrupting. Did you see? That was so good. Don't talk about it right now. We'll talk about it tomorrow on the show. And so we essentially like, what can we talk about? Universal Studios. That'll work. Okay, let's talk about Universal Studios. Right <laughs> yeah, now. let's talk about something that it's isn't going to be fodder for a show. But unfortunately, he and I just like to talk about Disney. And we, can- we actually met at a, a Disney convention. Oh, really? And, yeah, we were in line 
at the D23 Expo this past August in Anaheim. And um, I was there with a bunch of friends. He was there like in line alone because he was there kind of for work. So he was doing, you know, research and stuff. And and I just looked over and was like, hey, are you alone? And we had a couple hours until the, the presentation. And so he kind of joined our group and played games with us. And we've just been in touch ever since. And, nice. And nerd out on Disney. See, that's cool, at least when you find a connection with a, with a fellow nerd yeah. about something like that, where oh, it's yeah. something specific where you obviously have this huge common interest. Yeah, it's fun. It is. It is a lot of fun. And yeah, doing the whole... See, that that saves the question about, like, how'd you get to the start of the podcast thing? Um, but no, it is it is fun just to be able to sit and do it. And I've said it thousands of times on, on this show and others, but it's uh, it's a lot of fun just to sit and chat and it's like you said, unrehearsed, it's spontaneous. There's nothing contrived about it where nobody's... We're not trying to sell you a product, and Disney doesn't really need to sell you anything in, in your case. And the cool thing about it is since it's a fan podcast, we're not affiliated with Disney, we're really honest. And the, right. the thing that you'll find about Disney fans is that we expect so much of that company. Like, you know, they've... Yeah, set, you do. They've set a really high bar, and we want that bar reached every single time. And when it's not reached, we complain about it and we do plenty of that on our show i certainly hope adina menzel never listens to our show because her <laughs> feelings will be very hurt and i actually feel bad about it but at the same time i'm like i'm not gonna lie like so that's how you say her name no, it, yes kidding. yes exactly just Adele kidding. i was just listening to john travolta in the car on the way over why uh, hairspray oh okay yes i was actually listening to zach efron but then john travolta came on so I was oh, like, okay whatever so inadvertently listen yeah. to john travolta yep so did that, the voiceover thing start then with just being a fan of Disney, impersonating characters or what have you? How did, did the this... voiceover thing start? The weird situation. Once again, the same show that Cabaret Act I was doing, My Obsession with TV, where I did the whole Dipali with a D thing. I created a, a sketch that was kind of, um, it was Mickey Mouse and Kermit the Frog having a conversation with each other. And it was animated, projected in the theater and stuff. And I, I needed somebody to do the voice for Mickey and Kermit. And I was like looking for people to do it. And then I couldn't find anybody, at least nobody that I was happy with. Yeah, and I can't so, do either one of those. So I tried it one day and I was like, oh my God. The, and you know, voiceover is, it's a completely different world than just making funny voices. Yeah. Like it's yeah, it's it is. so, so competitive. And so, uh, it's very different than just making funny voices. But, um, but that's how it started. I was like, okay, cool. And then it's kind of something I've always been slightly interested in, but I'm not like that person that watched cartoons as a kid. I was like, I want to grow up and do that. Like that wasn't it at all. And uh, I don't know, I just kind of fell into it through the whole performance thing. And yeah, so Mickey and Kermit started it for me. I'm going to do the predictable thing and ask what the conversation between Mickey and Kermit would say. It might sound oh, something like this. Well, it was the premise of the sketch was that um, Disney had recently purchased the Muppets, and it was like Mickey Mouse being like, "I'm your boss now," and Kermit was something like, "He's like, stick that rainbow connection up your ass, frog," and like <laughs> stuff like that. And so that's kind of where it went. See, yeah. those are really good. I could I can only do a very half-assed Mickey and and Kermit. Well, I'm not gonna, very good. I'm going to make you do it. Do it. Oh boy, come on. Oh, oh, that boy. was me. That was me. Okay. You're fucked, Kermit. See, I, can't, I would only oh, want to say inappropriate see, shit that, is Mickey. I don't either. And to be honest, after I shot that sketch, this, that was right now was the first time I said anything like <laughs> remotely blue. Seriously, since then, because I feel a little guilty doing it. Should I be bleeping it out? <laughs> yeah, maybe you should. Um, but 
I I actually sacred mouse has been slaughtered. Yeah, right. I get phone calls from friends and stuff saying it's you know my nephew's birthday. Will you call him as Mickey Mouse and say dirty things? I'm like I will call them as Mickey Mouse. I will not say dirty things. I just won't do it <laughs> like anymore. Like a six year old. Yeah, it's a, yeah, seriously. Now but, don't shit your pants. Yeah. Like, ah! Like people like to hear Mickey being naughty, and if I'm going to be naughty, I always I always enjoy that line from. Uh, are you familiar with the musical Avenue Q? I, I did, am actually. I've only heard the soundtrack. I haven't seen the show, but okay. it's, the songs are brilliant. Well, it's a show that I was obsessed with, and um, there's a great line in the show that I love doing as Mickey Mouse, and two of the puppets are having sex, and and uh, oh, you can't put your finger there. Ah, put your finger there, and, and just doing it as Mickey Mouse is. <laughs> Oh, that's so, awesome. So it's not naughty language. It's just, you know. It's it's just out of character. Yeah. Well, that's the fun way. part about doing, doing so, voiceover stuff. That's why I started doing a bit uh, with some friends on this show, which now I'm just kind of not really patting myself on the back, but just plugging what someone's already listening to. But that's why having done silly things like uh, this bit I've done on, on several shows, uh, Classic Songs Revisited, where it's actors performing or just speaking dramatically, doing a dramatic reading of the lyrics of songs. So like Shatner did in real life. Remember he did that? <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah. He's done a couple of He did like My like, Way. Well, he, he did Rocket Man, yeah. Once Upon a Time, the infamous Rocket what, Man. What was he thinking? Oh, my Lord. Uh, it may have been in that, that the, the dark period. Yeah, man. <laughs> Between post-Star Trek, <laughs> pre-TJ Hooker. Yeah, I don't know. I uh, I have no idea how all that came together. But yeah, it's it's kind of like that thing. Yeah. And to be honest, I partly, because I had been doing, this went up at actually the first episode of uh, 2014, funnily enough. Where that kind of came about is I had, I don't even remember how it came up. I was, um, I'd been listening to Rapper's Delight by Sugar Hill Gang. And I think I may have been, you know, hanging out in my sister's apartment or something. And I just started kind of speaking the lyrics as, as Liam Neeson. Now what you hear is not a test. I'm rapping to the beat. And... She she was just cracking up. She's like, oh, that's so funny. And so fast forward to maybe a week later, and uh, Liam Neeson was on uh, the Jonathan Ross show, which is a show there in uh, the UK on one of the many BBCs. And he happened to be on the same show as Justin Bieber. Ah. So Jonathan Ross had him read a section of uh, Justin Bieber's boyfriend <laughs> dramatically. And I heard that and thought, yeah, I definitely need to do this because now having seen what it actually would be like, yeah. I need to do my kind of goofy version of it. That's fun. So that's where that took off. But it's funny to do something like that, uh, you know, something out of character. And that's the joy. That's where I was coming to, not to pat myself on the back, but saying no, people really a- like hearing something that's out of a person's ca- something you wouldn't expect. You wouldn't expect to hear Liam Neeson do a rap song. You wouldn't hear expect to hear Mickey Saying anything sexual, and yeah. where fingers should go, where Minnie should put her finger. Especially since Disney characters don't have any genitals. Yeah, they're neutered. Did you know that at Disneyland at nighttime they release cats to kill the mice in the park? How ironic! Are you serious? Yeah, I'm serious. In fact, <laughs> I, I did think, not know that I at think all. That the Disney cats have their own Twitter account. I'm pretty sure that that's true. Well, it's, that's got to be a fan account. Yeah. Well, yeah, I, <laughs> yes, I don't actually think it's the cats. Um, <laughs> Does it have like a count? I, that for, I don't even follow them. I just remember. It's like only two tonight, damn it. But I was just like, how how funny. That, that, is, that is irony. Yeah, seriously. We need to kill the mice. Yep. Except for the king mouse. He stays. Where did the performance bug bite you? When did, all, when when? did that happen? Yeah. I mean, oh. even if you weren't looking toward voiceover, God. when did you decide Forever. you want it? Really? Forever. Uh, I can't even remember not wanting to be in the entertainment industry. Um, hmm. 
my my dad always says it was when I went to the circus and saw the ringmaster. Because afterward, I'd go around the house going, "Ladies and gentlemen," as a, with a much higher pitched voice. <laughs> um, but I don't know. It's always been. At first, it was uh, I. I really wanted to get into doing like special effects for for Steven Spielberg and George Lucas. Like that was the dream was doing yeah. special effects back. You know when they actually made shit. Well, the era. Yeah. I'm that, sorry. That I just era, swore. Now this show is explicit, and I'm not cutting it out. Oh, okay. Unless you're worried about it, but no, it's too okay. bad. You're ruining my you'll brand. To, yeah, you'll have to censor yourself. <laughs> um, I don't promise a clean show like you Disney people do. This uh, is adult conversation. Yeah, I... Um, so, yeah, that was... That was... It started with special effects for me, and then it became... That's kind of like my... It's like a, a, a gift and a curse at the same time is the fact that I'm interested in, like, entertainment all over the place. Performing... Uh, writing, producing, voiceover, you know, theater, TV, film. I love it all. I yeah. take I take entertainment like really seriously. That's been my thing as of lately too. Yeah. As of late, I should say. In as much as the more I've done, the more I'm interested in other facets Absolutely. of what's done. Having done the podcast, that's kind of lent itself to voiceover, which I was always it was always suggested to me to do anyway because I like you could do accents and characters. So what do you you know you should do something with that? Yeah. That confidence came from doing podcasting for so long and as much as, okay, I know how to get in front of a mic and, and be comfortable with it, yeah. which is, frankly, I, I think half the battle. That's just my perception of it, is at least being comfortable with yeah. your voice coming through a microphone and coming through speakers. As yourself or as a character, you need to kind of have that level of comfort. Do you find it easier as a character or as yourself? I find it easier as myself because I have a hard time not being myself. That's not to say I can't affect an accent or perform in character, Yeah, but I have a... I have, I have a terminal case of just being myself pretty much all hours of the day. That's so why, that's not too difficult. <laughs> that's actually why I enjoy hosting more than acting. Is really? because I shouldn't say I it's just a much easier process for me to just get in front of a camera and be me really no problem. Uh it's putting on that character that that sometimes makes me a little bit shyer little than I wish I than I wish I were. But um but I do like acting depending on you know what the role is and such and of course voiceover is acting if you're doing animation and everything. Um, oh yeah. So it may be its own category yeah. or its own its own set of skills but I actually would love to see someday an actor get nominated for like an Academy Award for best actor who is simply a voice actor because there is actually if you ask me it's more difficult to be a voice actor than it is to be an on-camera actor. You know what? That's a debate I heard a lot recently, especially because the Oscars just passed. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people were talking about how, you know, should there be a voice acting category? No, they should be eligible or to be should, nominated for Best Actor. They probably are. I had but a dream I don't that I know won an that Oscar the other night, by the way. Really? Yeah. What for? Or just it in was, general? It was nothing. Um, it was nothing big. It was not. Wasn't big Best Actor. I think it was like you know Best Short or something. But I'm telling you, this dream was awesome. And <laughs> like through half the dream, I was just like, I'm an Academy Award winner. Like that's awesome and then i woke up and i'm like damn oh, i gotta go to work seriously i was like that <laughs> didn't happen damn i want that oh i have a rule i don't touch the statues have really you ever, have you ever like held any of them i haven't held one i've been in the presence of one but i didn't physically hold it i've held an emmy before and i completely regret it and since then i i say i'm not touching one unless i earn it and and that's my rule oh so it's like a superstition I don't know if it's a superstition as much as like I just don't feel like I have the right to hold one unless it's mine. That's interesting. 
Like I, I, I get that. Plus, I kind of I don't want to know how heavy it is. Like, I want that you know that moment of it, that award being placed in my hand, where you're absorbing the experience yeah. for the first everything about it's for oh the my first God, time. Yeah, and and the fact I do that understand I've, that the fact that I've held an Emmy actually really disappoints me. I held one back in college and. And I was like, I shouldn't have done that. The second I did it, I was like, I should not have done that. <laughs> Maybe they'll modify them. Oh, Maybe I'm they'll sure hollow they out the middle or probably, something. Probably, yeah. Yeah, Actually, they probably have over however many years. Actually, the one that I held was tarnished. And that's that's how the whole story came. My, my professor was like, yeah, I've got an Emmy, but it's tarnished. I'm like, your Emmy is tarnished. I'm like, bring it into work. I want to see this. And and or and he brought it and i was like you're right your emmy is tarnished you should get that <laughs> fixed and then i held it and i was like idiot shouldn't have held that i believe those awards actually do come with cleaning instructions i think that actually if you send it back i think they'll they'll take care of it for you or if it breaks really yeah i remember when estelle getty passed away i think somebody i don't know if it was a relative or a friend or what i think somebody was trying to sell her emmys and oh, really? like on eBay or something, oh. and um, the academy got involved. It was like you cannot sell this. Like that's, that's yeah. not how it works. So I don't know if they have to go to a museum or to archives or whatever. But yeah, I wonder that what would happen in a case like that. Well, it happens every day, or it's, you know, often. Well, somebody, so, yeah. There are plenty yeah. of people with awards you've never heard of. For I'm sure Grammys the, and Emmys and Oscars. Yeah, I'm sure most people leave it to a, a relative or something. Um, that would be my guess. But to make money off of it, I think they're. Like, yeah, that's because I think it, don't they have a declared value of a penny or or something like that? Oh, there I is, have no idea. There is a really low uh, value where it's this is all it's worth really? as far as the Academy is concerned. I'm pretty sure they do. Well, geez, I'll send in a penny. Send me one. <laughs> Well, I think the idea is to discourage yeah. just discourage um, profiting or saying this doesn't have monetary value. Yeah. But for people, they they would pay th- hundreds of thousands probably for one. But Especially once again, one why would you to. want one that you it's didn't memorabilia. Turn. It's memorabilia. Don't you think there are Disney fans who would love to have... Walt Disney's Academy. You know, he's, sure. the, he's the sole individual who has the most Academy Awards of any single person. And it's by like a ton. I don't know the exact number, but he's... 30-something plus. Really? Yes. For that one man, <laughs> man. not for the company. Right, for, for him personally. Yeah. And I didn't know that. That's nobody insane. Else I think John Williams might be second, but I think he's got like maybe 10 or something. Mm-hmm. Um, once again, these numbers are dropping the bucket. It's seriously. So he's just got John 10. Williams. Nowhere was, near. Did you see him at the Academy Awards this year? I didn't oh, watch. Shit. I'm adjust, adjusting well, and making so much noise. Yeah, you, you broke I'm my... Sorry. No, I didn't break You broke my guest chair. Oh, um, <laughs> no, I'm adjusting and... Uh, no, I didn't. I haven't watched the uh, confession. I haven't watched the Oscars since uh, two thousand seven. Why not? It's boring to me. It's just huh? the boring. I realize they're they're done for the sake of a show, but the show always bores me. I I, I mean, uh, the Billy Crystal ones were exciting because he was funny, but I feel like the, so many hosts have just fallen flat. That would be a, that. That is I a dream gig for me to host the Oscars. I think I would kind of have fun doing it. Oh my god. I I just I can tell you right now I would enter on a DeLorean. <laughs> That's what would happen. You know what? And I would support that. Yeah. <laughs> I think a lot of people I would, would support. Fully support. Are you kidding that. me? I'd probably. Well, I think you need the big entrance for something like oh that because it is God. a big deal. I think that something the bits and pieces I've caught or any of the let's say summaries you hear about mm-hmm. following the ceremony, you always hear how. In recent years, it feels like there isn't as much flash as there used to be, or everything's been more, I don't know if you call it discreet, but there hasn't been that, there's been as much glitz to it as there used to be. You want to and know, I think it needs something like that. You know that. what I think it is? I think it's, number one, they keep getting uh, comedians to host the awards. 
Um, it's not a night for stand-up comedy. It's a night for spectacular. It's a night for production numbers. And and I think that's where falls flat. Billy Crystal does that. Although, to be honest, he did it last year. And I, I wish he hadn't returned because of that whole <laughs> Eddie Murphy thing where they had to fire Eddie Murphy. Yeah, well, I think that was like three years ago. I thought that was last I think, year. I don't. I can be wrong. I feel like that was a few years ago. I think it was. When was Seth MacFarlane? Last year. Yeah, was he, he was last, last year? year. It was... Okay, whatever. Yeah, maybe really? it was two, two See, or three ceremonies went, ago. I th- wow. Okay, time flies. I think it was after it was after the James Franco Anne Hathaway debacle. I'm pretty oh, sure that Lordy, was. Oh, I forgot about back. that. But see, when you just get, per- I think you need somebody who is a performer who's quick on their feet, and that's why comedians, to me, seem like a good choice because you have somebody who can, who can adapt, who can work a live crowd, who can adapt quickly, who can think on their feet. Who can find their way out of a corner, I, by, by, even if it's just cracking a joke? That's I get that, and that's fine. I I don't know. Because I, reading off a teleprompter, anybody can do it. I mean, not actually literally. Not but, really. Well, no, but it's because if you're none an of actor. These presenter, no, that's the thing that blows my mind more than anything. Like, I, they have rehearsals for the actors who are reading off the teleprompters. I do not. <laughs> under, I understand people can flub up every once in a while. Mm-hmm. Everybody does it. It's fine. But the amount of flub ups that there are because they're probably getting loaded before the show. There's that. <laughs> that's got to be what it is. I that's it, I think that's half the reason people tune into the Golden Globes because uh, everybody's, everybody's drinking loaded. and having a good time and everyone's expecting. Oh, you, stars gone wild! Everyone's expecting it's going to be kind of a a loose kind of goofy show because no one takes i mean people do take the golden globe seriously yeah i don't remember that as a kid but like i feel like as of like the last 10 years or something like the golden globes have really or maybe i just hadn't heard about them i remember he i don't remember it being a televised big deal like it was like the the first time i kind of looked at the golden globes as a precursor to the oscars was 2000 i guess it was when when they were announced in the beginning of 2005 okay because i had heard I think Sideways was nominated for it, which was, is one of my favorite movies. It was nominated for a couple Golden Globes, but then was shortchanged, particularly Paul Giamatti, uh, when it came to the Oscars. Yeah. And that was the first time I was kind of even aware. I mean, I'd heard of the Golden Globes, but I think that was the first year I was aware there was like a televised ceremony. I didn't even know the SAG Awards were televised until recently. Yeah, the only... Like, it's really become a big deal. Award shows have become way too many, but the only ones I watch are Oscars, Golden Globes, Primetime Emmys... And the Tony Awards. I don't even watch the Grammys. Like, I'm so out of the pop music scene. Or yeah, like, I, I I haven't heard anybody who is. I was going on about that a few weeks ago after the Grammys. I don't know who any of these people are who are I know. nominated. I actually feel really bad about it to the point that I'm actually like surfing the radio channels, like trying to find top forty because I'm gonna tell. I'm gonna confess to something. When this past summer, when um, Robin Thicke's song got huge yeah like, what the heck with dirty moves or what the hell was it called? uh blurred lines blurred lines what the hell see i can't even and i only know that because that's the name of the album and i've seen the cd okay can i tell shelves. you i had no idea what the song was and people were like what are you talking about it's like this year's summer anthem and so i youtubed it and i listened to it and i'm like not only have i never heard of it but i think it's the least catchy song i've ever heard in my life <laughs> you know what similarly and I swear, this is the absolute truth. I did not hear Miley Cyrus's Wrecking Ball until January. And I was somewhere with a friend and I heard, and not until the chorus kicked in, I heard the the phrase Wrecking Ball. And I said, oh, is this the Miley Cyrus song? And he looked at me like, yeah, it's everywhere. I'm thinking, yeah. 
it hasn't been in my years until now. As long as been out for like six months, or, you know, something know. like that since summer. Well, obviously, when the Robin Thicke thing happened, but yeah, I I'm so clueless, and I don't know if it has something to do with getting old. If so, that's fine. Sign me up for being old. Oh, but God, I, I just I don't know who any of these people are, and there's such a disparity when it comes to the age of the people the Grammys. Everybody's maybe on the cusp of 30 down to like 17. Yeah. And then you may have somebody in the middle, like Beyonce and Jay-Z, obviously. And then everybody's way older, like Elton John and Paul McCartney and Ringo Starr. There's such a huge disparity when it comes to who's there. There's, there are decades in between where nobody's represented. And I think, unfortunately, that's where my taste falls, where I'm thinking I'm not going to tune in just to see half of the Beatles or Elton John, as much as great as they are. Yeah. I'm not going to tune in just to see that five minutes. And none of these younger acts that anybody who gets nominated for Grammy, nah, I'm not going to be interested in, frankly. It's just not my music. Yeah, it's... um. I, I unfortunately am one of those people that like listens to my iPod all the time. Like When I'm in the car, the iPod's on. So I'm yeah. listening to musicals or movie scores or pop music that I like back when TRL was on TV. You know? <laughs> like that's the last popular music that I really, really remember, like remember following and going to the concerts. And it makes me feel so old. So I'm actually searching right now for like the top 40, just, just so I can have a clue of what's on the radio. <laughs> Cause I feel ridiculous. Like not even knowing who's every week I get the iTunes and Amazon emails for new releases and like the Amazon MP3 or yeah. CD email and uh, just the iTunes weekly email. And I look at the top 10 and I think, I don't know who any of these people are. Maybe the singles I may know if, you know, I know who Katy Perry is, yeah. unfortunately know who Miley Cyrus is, but there are a lot of other people like who, the number one album on iTunes out of 52 weeks in the year, maybe six weeks, I'll know who the person is. Yeah, how? I have no idea uh, who most of these people are. This is depressing me. It, it is. I uh, mean, whatever. I love uh, that, TRL. That's part of the reason I don't. Yeah. I was on TRL. You were? Yes, I was interviewed by Carson Daly on TRL. True story. <laughs> when? January of 2001, I believe it was. Oh, wow. And I, I know. Wait, so you were you happened to be in New York then? I was in New York City um, to visiting my sister who was living there at the time. I went to see the Rosie O'Donnell show, which I was a huge fan of. And um, I tried 12 times to get in. I got in once. <laughs> and uh, one day, and I was a huge TRL fan. Like, I just loved that show. And, you know, I was like that perfect age. And... It was that era of TRL when it was awesome, like 2000 to 2004 were like awesome TRL days. And All opinions are subjective. <laughs> you disagree? You never watched TRL? Why would I? So, so I, even when you were well, younger, you didn't care for that. Stuff. Well, no, because when when I was first aware of TRL, it was during the Britney Spears Backstreet Boys. And see, Sync I love era, that. And stuff. I, well, see, that's fine. Oh, that's totally that's well outside music. of my. See, that's my music my right there. See, Sync, yeah, I, I, I have gone to so many Insync concerts. If Insync got back together, I would be in the front row. Everybody would be in the front row. I. Can't even tell. Oh, I mean, look, I'm, I'll be honest. If I had tickets to an NSYNC show, I would go just because so the spectacle would be something to behold. You know who? I'm not going to lie. You know who I actually saw recently this uh, last summer was New Kids on the Block, whom I had never seen live because I, I knew of them because I have older sisters, but I was too young at the time when they were out, and so I wasn't a fan by any means and wasn't going to concerts. <laughs> and um, they went on tour with New Kids on the Block, 98 and Degrees. And I didn't see the Backstreet Boys. Oh, it wasn't that one. Oh. I saw the 98 Degrees and Boys to Men. And oh, that's right. I, saw that I one. do remember that. And new kids were awesome. Like I literally left and the next day went to Target and bought their latest album. Really? Seriously. They wow. first of first of all, physically in amazing shape. I was like, holy crap, uh, these that's guys. That's true, yeah. Vocally superb. 
like really had their stuff together. I was really impressed by them. I love hmm. boy bands. Right. But like wow. I was really, really, because they could just, you know, they could just throw in the towel. They could phone it. it in. They could totally, totally phone it in, just have backing tracks, just learn totally. a few new moves. They were awesome. And so I went and supported them and, and bought their album because I got free tickets to the show. So I was like, so I, you felt like you had to, yeah, <laughs> you had to make up for it. I was it. in one of those company boxes, you know. I was oh, like, okay. Yeah, I might as well buy their CD. Um, but no, I, I really loved it, and, it, and and that was a group that like I didn't grow up so much being a fan of. Oh, NSYNC, they were my first concert ever. No strings attached tour at Foxborough <laughs> Stadium in Massachusetts. It was amazing. Senior year of high school, so that would have been like. Probably summer of 2000, I guess. Oh, it was amazing. Oh, so you're only you're younger than me then. I guess. When did you graduate? 01? 2000. Oh, I graduated in 2000 as well. No kidding. I didn't know that. Yeah. We're so old. Yeah, we are. Okay. <sighs> so yeah, that, okay. I, I certainly know the TRL era. I mean, I know the era anyway, but it was literally like that was so well outside. Yeah, no. So I, that was totally my scene. And um, so I was downstairs, you know, do you remember like how I used to look out the window? Yeah. And, oh yeah. So I was down there. I had made a sign out of cardboard and we made Carson cookies. And, <laughs> and at the time... I, Wait, what are Carson cookies? No, we made Carson Daly some cookies. Oh, okay. I so, thought you. I, I thought it was a certain type of cookie. No, no, no we were trying to bribe him. You drew him. his face on with frosting or no, something. No, we were trying to really bribe him intricate. to get upstairs. And, um, <laughs> and on this sign, I had put battery-operated strobe lights so that they were flashing. <laughs> oh, man. And so he pointed. It was me and two of my sisters. And he pointed down. He's like, you guys. He's like, come on up. And I was like, oh, my God. I flipped out. Oh, I, would, I would love to have seen you freak out when that happened. I actually have it on YouTube. Um <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think it's right now like uh, private, but I'm going to make it public pretty soon because I just launched a That's whole new amazing. YouTube channel and stuff. And so so I have that and, and my <laughs> Ellen appearance that I was like, okay, I'll, I'll just stick these on there. What the hell? Nice. Um, until they're <laughs> but yeah, TRL, that until was you awesome. get the legal notice to get them pulled down. I'm not making money off them. It's fine. Yeah. Um, I absolutely loved that, that. That was a great moment. And oh, TRL. Loved TRL. <laughs> And the funniest thing was between like songs. So, you know, we're up there doing the whole sketch with Carson. He's talking to us. And so one of the videos starts. He goes backstage. I'm left alone on the stage. So I'm like, okay. So oh, that I, is a little freaky. So I walk over to the window looking down at all the people who I had just come <laughs> from. And I'm like, hey, guys, I'm over here. And everybody was like, yeah. Like they were so happy for me. Like one uh, of us made it upstairs. I actually had an NSYNC baseball cap on my head. <laughs> and I was a lot fatter. And that's what I remember. Uh, wow. And now, oh my God, it actually breaks my heart. I got teary-eyed. At one point, um, the, the old MTV studios are no longer in New York City. They had that amazing location with the... Yeah, I went like a, by it many, many times. Yeah. When did they get rid of that? Uh, a few years ago. Huh. But it was like a fishbowl. I think mo- I think they might still have some people out there, but they don't shoot anything. But they don't shoot anything it's out a, onto... Yeah. like It's all here now in LA. Old Times Square area. And huh. Yeah, so the Times Square... It's it's a... Oh, God, some clothing store now. And <laughs> so I actually went uh, they up... All are. I went up and visited the window... Um, when I was, I was, this was probably a few winters ago. I was in town to see Mary Poppins on Broadway and, um, and I, I went over to the window and I got a little emotional. I was, I, oh, it was such a great <laughs> moment. It really was. That was an awesome moment. That, see, that's cool. I can, I have the appreciation for 
being able to get on a TV show that you would oh god have been just dying to get on. Here's the I haven't done it, but I yet. I did background on one of my favorite TV shows of all time. But before I go on, actually, we can stop talking about me whoring out my my little camera. No, I'm all for it. Actually, I'm quite enjoying this because this sounds hilarious. <laughs> well, um, oh, and God. besides, this is about you. It's not about me. Contrary to public opinion. <laughs> uh, well, oh God, I was going to say one of oh TRL. The one thing that I found so funny and awesome about that uh, appearance was. Even back when TRL was huge, there were still a lot of people like yourself saying TRL isn't cool and all that stuff. (laughs) MTV just wasn't cool, in my opinion, at that point. Well, let me tell you. I, when I went back to college after that winter break, Mm -hmm. everybody was like, I saw you on TRL. I was like, I "I didn't think you watched that show. It's like, yeah, I was flipping through the channels. I'm like, yeah, yeah, you and everybody else was flipping through the channels at the exact minute that I was on TRL. It was so funny. (laughs) But yeah, no, it was awesome. I loved TRL. That is pretty awesome. I had a show that I was uh, totally in love with. It lasted one season. Did you watch Studio 60 on the Sunset Strip? I remember when I was living here when it started. I had never seen it. It's what made me an Aaron Sorkin fan because up to that point, like Aaron Sorkin had done Sports Night and most famously The West Wing. Yeah. And I was just like, I'm not going to watch a show about politics. Like, it's just so not my cup of tea. So I never checked it out. But then he did Studio 60 on the Sunset Strip, which was like a behind the scenes look at a Saturday Night Live type of show right up my alley. So I started watching it and I like seriously fell in love with this show. It's really, truly one of my favorite shows of all time. Wow. And um, and I had moved out here like right as that show started. And I was just doing background work on a bunch of shows. And Studio 60 became like one of the shows that I did like four times, something like that. And oh, cool. Which had, is a lot because that only lasted for a season, I think. One I think season, it had about 13 episodes. Uh, no, it did a full 22 oh, episodes. Oh, it did? Yeah. Oh, I thought it was like a cable The problem was it... Channel it, show. No, it was on NBC and oh, NBC wow. lost hope and it very quickly stopped advertising for it. Plus, it was the year of the writer's strike, which really didn't oh, help Oh, that's it. right. Yeah, yeah, that was like end of 06, beginning of 07 when all that... Yeah, exactly. I remember and, that too. Um, so that didn't help the situation. But I, I was thankful enough to have worked on the show and... First of all, one of the most beautiful sets I had ever been on in my entire life. I think I spent like 14 hours in Matt Albee's office, played by Matthew Perry on the show. And I kid you not, like I had forgotten I was in a soundstage on the Warner Brothers lot. Like the set was so beautiful and real and it was two stories like it was oh, wow. It was built like a, watching them demolish that set was one of the saddest things ever. Like really. I stood outside of stage 19 and I was just like <gasps> Oh, so, so sad. But I did get to do background on it. And um, there's one episode in particular. I think it's called Harriet's Dinner Part One, I believe is the name of the episode. Or The Harriet Dinner Part One. And uh, I stick out like a sore thumb in one of the scenes. And it's it's kind of ridiculous. But I'm like, it's kind of cool that I even had that tiny little moment on one of my favorite shows of all time. That's pretty awesome. That is very cool. Yeah. Guess how many people get that? Almost none. It's true. I've I've kind of, oh God, I've had a like I've been blessed to have a lot of those moments. Like, and it's so apparently, uh, yeah. I, um, it's so easy to get down on yourself trying to do stuff in this business, and God knows I get down on myself plenty. Mm-hmm. But then I get, actually, oh God, I'm so sick of talking about myself. I mean, too bad. Keep I, going. I feel like so. Uh, I do it 
I've every other so week on this show. Right so, now. Eh, it's all right. But um, I'm gonna we want to look. The public wants to know. That's why they're listening. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna plug an upcoming project. Then. Okay. Because this was another one of those. Oh my god! I can't believe this is my life type moments where it actually goes back to the Oscars. So I was flying home uh, i was visiting actually walt disney world hanging out with patrick you know doing quote unquote research for uh the <laughs> podcast and uh, we had a great great time but i had booked my flight back to la during the oscars which i obviously didn't realize initially and um and so i missed the oscars i was in the air the whole time mm. so i watched the oscars the following night and i was just in one of those moods I just was not feeling good about myself. And I was watching the Oscars. And they're usually like so inspirational to me. But for some reason I'm watching and I was just like, I am so far away from this dream ever happening. And like, you know, like hating myself. Yeah, just one of those moments where yeah. you just feel, oh, I'm so far outside of it. I'm yeah. right here, but I'm so far yeah. outside of this world. Felt terrible. I get a phone call while I'm watching the Oscars from uh, somebody who works for Clint Eastwood's production company who said to me, uh, Jeff, I just saw the film, wanted to let you know you were great in it and that you're, you're great in the, in the movie and you're going to really like it. And I was like, okay. And I was just, it was one of those moments. Wow. Yeah. I was just like, oh my God. Like, thank you for that intervention. Whoever, you know, whatever you believe in. Right. I was like, this is a moment that like was keeping me from going off the deep end. And I was so insanely grateful for that. I can't even tell you. It was awesome. Yeah, so that's the upcoming project, Jersey Boys. Coming to a theater, I think, June 20th. You can see me in it. It's my first major motion picture. I've got lines in it. I'm very Really? Yeah. Very, oh, wow. I have been directed by Clint Eastwood. Oh, see, I know someone who was a stand-in on that. Oh, who? Uh, what, what, do you know what's seen by any chance? I don't. It was a gentleman named Scott. Who uh, was a stand-in for? I'm not sure what character—an accountant character, a lawyer, okay. something like that. But I do know a guy who actually was doing just stand-in where he did it for I think a week. Okay. So he was you know three got, feet away from Clint Eastwood. He got paid more than me. I had a day of work, but really, uh, but, but still, you're in a major I'm movie. A you movie, got lines. I've got lines. I was directed by Clint Eastwood, which is kind of like I was legitimately directed by Clint That's Eastwood. That's cool. And I was like, my God, well, this is. This is my life. And, yeah. And, although, and it's so funny like how we have to celebrate those little successes out here. Oh, yeah. Like, like you have to. I have a friend who just booked. Uh, he's, he's on TV right now doing a commercial for uh, Red Robin, I think. And he has no lines in it. And I'm going to tell you, I am so happy and proud of him. Because <laughs> he beat out a bunch of people for that role. And that's yeah. the crazy thing is so many people audition for this stuff. And it makes no sense as to why one person gets it over another. It's so rarely comes down to talent yeah like it's it's ridiculous yeah and, just that the stars need to align in this insane sequence yeah. for even something small like that whether it's you're on camera with zero lines or yeah. or whatever it is or especially if you're going in for a casting and i haven't done it myself but i've heard you know of people doing on camera work friends and, and whatnot who have gone in for things and just being in a room full of people who were look like you with slight variations yes and oh, not God. knowing whether or not you are what they want yeah and i don't know i just I, and i feel like that's what grinds people down so much is that the going in just in a in that constant state of not knowing i think that the and having no gauge for it because if yeah. you're not it it's not like you're getting any feedback you're just not what they're looking for i think it's the worst when you go to these these calls and you 
everybody looks like you, but at first you don't realize it. And then you're like, oh my God, these people look, oh my God, that's what I look like. like <laughs> the rude awakening yeah, part of, it's, it's the they called me because I'm yeah. enough like this person. You're like, you're telling me I'm not going out for the hotmail lead. What? <sighs> yeah. Yeah. That is a heartbreaker. Oh, Hollywood. <laughs> that's a sobering fact. Now what am I going to do? Yeah. That is, that's really funny. I mean, I didn't know about this Jersey Boys. Oh, you didn't know? No. Yeah. Well, apparently you don't like talking about yourself. I I mean, the last 45 minutes to the contrary. I I mean, it's, people don't believe, but it's true. Like, I, I, um, I like talking, but talking about me isn't as much fun as, well, something like that. I kind of bore myself, to be honest. Well, and I say that about myself too, which is crazy because I'm fairly chatty as well as you've come to know yeah and i wouldn't be doing two podcasts if that wasn't the case yeah. if i didn't have something to say but uh i mean i think that's it's funny i was actually um catching up with one of my uncles on the phone talked to him for uh an hour uh a few days ago and uh, i was telling him about uh basically what was going on in my day job i said well i'm, st- I'm still working on the voiceover stuff and obviously he listens to the podcast so he knows what's going on with that and uh, I said, I kind of updated him on some progress with the day job stuff, figuring, oh, okay, well, here's here's what's going on with that. And I said, you know, for, for having a day job, it's pretty cool. And he said, well, he said, don't worry so much about that because he said, here's how you can measure your success. Measure it by how many people would love to have the job you're doing. Yeah. And he was absolutely right because, I, I mean, I, I don't take it for granted. Mm-hmm. The fact that at least I'm I'm getting paid to be in in the industry in, in, arena. In, in the yeah, I'm I'm in the industry on even if I'm in the bottom rung of the ladder, I'm still here, which yeah. is something I, I do and not in a condescending way, but I do know people in my world who would rather be doing what I'm doing than what they're doing. And that does make me appreciate it even more. Even though there aren't days where I think like, Oh, it's just a grind, it's no, I do I get to do this and yeah. it's I, I came out here to work. If I didn't want to work, I could have stayed in New Jersey and stayed in my parents' house and never tried to pursue anything. But I thought that, you know what? I've gotten to this point and I'm grateful to be at this point and have some some progress going. Even if it's just paying the rent and staving off bill collectors for right now, it's it's good enough where I think, all right, well, I get to do this at least to pay yeah. my bills and I still have my other pursuits, the other 100 plus hours of the week. I think that's a huge part of the job is keeping yourself sane. Like when you're in I this think industry. so. But that's any job though. Think about it. There are people who do you know they're what, janitors and postal workers but and I'm gonna cashiers you, who want to drive themselves crazy because they do the same thing every day with no rewards. I'm gonna tell you who I envy though. I envy the people that that doesn't bother at all. I envy the people who are like, I just want a job nine to five. I don't care what it is. That makes me enough money to have a good life and I have every weekend off. Yeah. I don't have weekends off. Not because I'm working at a job and getting paid at, but because I'm pursuing something else. Right. So if I'm not working at the thing that pays me, I'm working at the thing that I'm passionate about, but it doesn't mean it's not work, you know? And so it's like, I don't have a day off unless, which is why when I go on vacation, I go on vacation. Yeah. I'm like, you have to. Like, seriously, I'm like, keep me away from social media. I like <laughs> for the most part, like, cause I'm kind of crazy about that stuff with Twitter, especially like I read the things I follow on Twitter. I read every single one, every single day. I do too. And it drives me crazy. Yeah. Cause you fall in that rabbit hole and then it's like, well, here's well, an hour. Here's I'm never going to get back. No, here's the thing you, it's not even that it's like, Oh, there's so much fun. I have to keep doing it. It's, I have to know what's going on. 
and I can't be the last person to know what's going on. That's true. You know what? That's a good point. And that's what it is for me because I got really sick of hearing things from other people. Haven't you heard? And I'm like, well, when did they announce it? 45 minutes ago on Twitter. I'm like, <laughs> well, now it's even more intimidating, but it's crazy with, with the way things we actually get news in real time. It's not, yeah. you need to find out at six o'clock when everybody else does. It's news moves in real time and, and I feel to my- fall behind on something like blurred lines is unforgivable. Yeah, right. Exactly. No, but I got a, um, uh, oh, what was a week or so ago? They came out with that fake, um, hoverboard advertisement. Yes. And, uh, a friend of mine, I, I read it like in the morning on Twitter when it was first announced. And then that like later that evening, a friend of mine was like, Hoverboard, awesome! Did you see this? And I'm like, old news. I'm like, I'm like, what? for a minute, you became that asshole. I was that complete <laughs> jerk who was like, old news, uh, only because that he, was still 1:30 this yes. afternoon. <laughs> and like, oh man, that's where we are at this point. Because it, no, it is. It really is. Like, but I, I get stuff from my friends all the time where it's, did you see this? Did you read this? Yeah. With what's going on, and I think it's impossible to follow everything it's and know so everything bad. that's going on. Yeah, and you really have to just. You know, there are certain things you're going to follow and they'll get you the news as soon as it comes out. Yeah, it's true. And if you miss it, well, then you're the one who hears old news. (laughs) Yeah, then you're on the receiving end of that that social battery. (laughs) It's so so pathetic. Oh, my God. It is because you're feeling bad for no reason because tomorrow it'll be a completely different story. And the fact that you didn't know it. Yeah. Four hours earlier is going to mean nothing. It's ridiculous. <laughs> Come the next morning. I'll tell you, though, following all the Disney stuff that I follow because of the podcast, I consider myself a Disney fanatic. There are some crazy Disney people out there. I mean, I like, have no doubt. The stuff that they post, they're like, they're painting the side of the building over in, in Fantasyland. Like, crazy stuff that's like who cares like no <laughs> why do you even care about this this is crazy i figure if i don't care nobody should as far as the disney because i do care about like little things in well the you world care about the uh, the artistic output yeah i'm like i can't even tell you how many posts i've read in like the last couple days about the fact that a starbucks opened at disneyland downtown disney in anaheim i'm like really <laughs> Like full-length articles that go into such detail about the interior and the amount of photos that have been taken. Well, you can understand the novelty. I mean, there aren't Starbucks everywhere yeah, exactly. in the Los Angeles area. It's 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 mind. or or just all of America. I don't appreciate Starbucks enough as it is compared to most people, <laughs> just because I don't drink coffee. But um, but yeah, it's you the, don't you're doing this uncaffeinated right now. True. Jesus I, Christ! I know. No, no coffee. No soda. Um, sometimes I don't understand how I'm awake, but I figure if I got through, <laughs> if I got through college without coffee, I feel like I should be able to get through the rest of my life without coffee. No, that's good. By the way, where did you come from? We didn't really talk about that up oh. front, so maybe we should we should bring it bring it back to the start. Sure. With, uh, where you? So were you back, from Florida? No, no. Oh, because you said back home when you went on vacation. I assumed Florida. What I said back home. What well, you said when I was getting ready to fly back home. Oh, back home to L.A. Oh, oh, okay. I thought yes. you were. I thought you were flying to Florida. No, no. And you were. Go- I thought maybe you, you may have been from Disney World. <laughs> First of all, <laughs> Jeff okay. Dabali was designed I'm gonna, and manufactured at Disney I'm going to correct World. you on the air because I correct everybody. Okay. Maybe it's a little douchey of me, but. Please, it's Walt Disney World. It is the only theme park that bears his first name. Okay. So I appreciate it when people call it Walt Disney World, even though my co-host refuses to. <laughs> I am so 
adamant that it's Walt Disney World for a, no. couple, for a couple of reasons. Number one, Walt Disney's truly the man is the reason. I mean, uh, all this exists. Yeah, yeah. Like I'm in the entertainment and entertainment industry because of him. He was the greatest showman of all time. Um, and also, it angers me that the company feels the need to drop the man's name from things left and right. Like, I'll never forget, it was the Thanksgiving a couple of years ago when the first the first new Muppet movie came out. Mm-hmm. It was the first film that I saw that at the beginning, you got the castle, and it didn't say Walt Disney Pictures. It said Disney Pictures. And I literally was in the theater, and I went, what the hell? <laughs> I was pissed. And my friends were like, what is wrong? I'm like... It doesn't say Walt. I was mind blown at that point. Like, seriously, <laughs> livid. Did you immediately blog about it? Like, I can't believe what an atrocity this I, is. I, it's so disrespectful to the man. So disrespectful. Well, it's become a brand. It has less to do with the man. I mean, I, I, I get it. Thing. I get I, it. I'm all about keeping the man alive. Like, unfortunately, like the last one who was really doing that was his daughter who just recently passed away. And yes. and she has the Walt Disney Family Foundation up north in San Francisco. But I really feel like it's important to remember that Walt Disney was a person and that although Disney is a brand, it's it's was created by it's a man named by a man Walt named Disney. Walt Disney. And so I'm adamant about it. And so and also the fact was when Walt Disney World opened, it was supposed to be Disney World. When when Walt was creating it, it was Disney World. What happened was he passed away in 1966. The park opened, or the resort opened in 1971 in Florida. His brother, Roy, his older brother, had come out of retirement to make sure that his younger brother's dream came true. And and, and Roy, rather, said, this was my brother's dream. This is Walt Disney World. And that's why I'm adamant that people call it Walt Disney World, even though the company doesn't always call it Walt Disney World. Um, I call it Walt Disney World. You do, because that's what it means to you. Yes. I get it. And so I understand you make a very very good point. Everybody out there listening, Walt Disney World, please in scenic Orlando, Florida. <laughs> yeah. Orla- Actually, it's not in Orlando. Oh, it's not. Okay. It's not, but uh, but well, very close to. I've never been there. I can't say you've never been to Walt Disney World. I have not. I've been. To oh. Di- I've been to Disneyland. It's Once, seven years ago. No, I believe it is. It would have to be, wouldn't it? Because otherwise people animal. wouldn't go to both. Yeah. Well, yeah, I, I've only Disney been to the one. fans are crazy. Well, our, I, just, I, I mean the average ticket holder. I'm yeah. not talking about you Disney files. Yeah. Um, favorite animated Disney movie? Uh, a Little Mermaid. Really? Yeah, absolutely, hands down, for a bunch of reasons. Number one, it was the beginning of the Disney animation renaissance in 1989 that was the beginning of it all. And if you have any interest in that renaissance from Little Mermaid to Lion King, check out a phenomenal, phenomenal documentary called Waking Sleeping Beauty. Oh, I haven't heard of this. Oh, Is it an authorized documentary or is it independent? Yeah, Disney made it. Oh, and, they did? But it's oh. really honest. Um, huh. Don Hahn produced it. I believe I'm getting the name correct. Uh, he he also produced Beauty and the Beast and stuff. Mm-hmm. And um, and he, it's it's this great behind the scenes look at that Renaissance and how basically Disney animation was dead until Little Mermaid came along. And uh, I love Little Mermaid. Uh, Ursula is one of my, Ursula and Mickey Mouse are my two favorite characters in the Disney family. <laughs> um, that music of Alan that might Mankin, say it all. 
<laughs> Actually, interestingly enough, we're we're going way over. We're over an hour now, aren't we? It doesn't matter. There's That's no okay. time on this. It's we're my here. goddamn show. We'll go as long as I as I say. Well, interestingly enough, Ursula is one of my favorite Disney characters, and um, Sunset Boulevard is one of my favorite films of all time. Mm-hmm. You know, Sunset Boulevard. Yes, Norman yes, Desmond. I do. Come to find out, uh, Ursula was designed after Norman Desmond. If you look at the, her makeup and it, such, I can physically, yeah, I can yeah. kind of see there's certain... like a fat version of of, mm-hmm. of uh, Norma Desmond. And when I read that, I was like, "How weird is that?" Like, I obviously have a thing for that type. I guess <laughs> that's bizarre. That was weird to find that out. Um, but yeah, I love her. So, so Little Mermaid, hands down. Live action movie favorite. Favorite Disney live action. Yes, that's tougher. Uh, I love Newsies. I love Hocus Pocus. It's not like the classics like Mary Poppins and stuff. Really? See, that's I, mine, actually. Oh, see, I actually don't like Mary Poppins. Really? Yeah. This Get out. Huge Saving Mr. Banks fan. See, I haven't seen it yet. Oh, my but Lord. But it's, it's... All right, all right. It's about to come out, though, on, on DVD. Yeah. So I, Yeah, so I'm going to pick it up. It's really, really, really Because good. it's Tom Hanks, so of course it's going to be good. You, um, you will never but, look at Mary Poppins the same way again. I'm fine with that. I can easily I, say I think a lot of it, first of all, and, and admittedly... For um, Mary Poppins, see, your, my answer is going to be maybe too contrary to yours because Mary Poppins and Aladdin would be my live action. Well, Aladdin's great. Ones. Aladdin is great. Yeah. Um, both because I I watched them repeatedly as a kid, mm-hmm. and with Mary Poppins, it was just so. I mean, it's a little goofy. They're dancing around with penguins and you know candy cane suits, but I don't know. There was something about about the wonder of it. I mean, especially as and it, I don't regard it as just a kids movie, but I think just being a kid it's and an I, I sure as hell didn't have a nanny uh, and I didn't have a babysitter consistently or anything like that. But just the idea of that kind of uh, indulging in that type of fantasy, and I've always kind of been the the daydreamer type. I mean, obviously coming out here and yeah. <laughs> working in the entertainment industry, no kidding, but. That just always really, really appealed to me. Mm-hmm. And I have, and it continues to this day, massive crush on Julie Andrews because of it. <laughs> I totally do. And I, I went it. to, back in 2008, I think, went to UCLA's Festival of Books just because she was there. That's awesome. Um, I mean, obviously, way talented. And, and love her stuff beyond just uh, Mary Poppins, of course. Like the Blake Edwards stuff she did was, was great, obviously. And, and I think that set up a, a lifelong crush I have on British women. Interesting. To be with you. I think that kind of set the scene. And everything about Aladdin to me was just so great. Even the music. And I don't like musicals except for a couple Disney animated movies and maybe something like Avenue Q and the South Park movie. There are very few (laughs) musicals actually like. But uh, I just thought Aladdin just killed me, especially with Rob Williams' Insanity, who I'd already been a huge fan of even at, what was I, 12, I think, when that came out? Mm -hmm. Is that like 92, 93? 92, yeah. Okay. So So I was uh, between 11 and 12. 10, right? No, I was born in 81. So. Oh, I was born in 82. Okay. Well, I, I bought it when it came on VHS, the clamshell VHS. Well, do you remember how there were different uh, audio versions? Because when the film was originally in re- released in theaters during the Arabian Nights number, the first song in the movie, there's a lyric that went, where they cut off your ear if they don't like your face. It's barbaric, but hey, it's home. And the Arabians were pissed off. And so they went back. So in the theatrical release, that's how it was. Uh-huh. The original... Dating myself cassette release <laughs> was those lyrics as well. For VHS and for CD, it became where it's flat and immense and the heat is intense. It's barbaric, but hey, it's home. So they changed the lyrics really? because it was quote unquote offensive. See, I have the seat. Well, my parents have the CD among their stuff. I don't know why. I wonder if they I have an original or, or the or the. I got it at the time. I mean, when the I must have gotten it since I'd seen the movie when the when the VHS came out. Yeah. Then I guess it's 
since I bought the CD following the the VHS purchase, it, it might be the amended version. Yeah. But I, I did not know about that. That's that really, a, really interesting. I, obviously, that's the version that's on the DVD, which is yes. the one I have from 10 years ago or so. Yeah, I um, was at an Alan Menken concert, and he was performing that song. And, and I just kept thinking, oh, please do the original lyrics. Please do it. He didn't. He did the old the new yeah. lyrics, rather. And um, yeah, but Aladdin, that's a good one. That is a good one. But yeah, I never shared that love for Mary Poppins. First of all, I didn't really see it that much as a kid, so I don't have the nostalgic factor. And I have mm. the same issue with it. I love the music. I will say, the Sherman Brothers score, phenomenal. And if you're interested in the Sherman Brothers, who wrote not only Mary Poppins, but like the Tiki Tiki Room, and It's a Small World, and so much stuff for the Disney parks, and so many movie musicals, they're brilliant. An amazing documentary called The Boys. And it's about the, the Sherman brothers who wrote really? all that stuff. And it's it's so sad because toward the end of their lives, like the brothers didn't speak to each other really. Oh, and, wow. Yeah, it's it's phenomenal. It's, wow, see, I'm going to have to look these two documentaries out. Waking, Sleeping Beauty Waking, and the Waking, Sleeping brothers. Beauty and The Boys. The like, Boys, right. Really, okay. really, really good documentaries about the Disney stuff. And they're really honest, which is what I appreciate, appreciate about them because there's a lot of like make it look good for the camera stuff. Whenever you see these documentaries that like the company is producing themselves. And the thing that I appreciate about the, about the two that I mentioned are the fact that they're really, really honest. And yeah. It's not just all oh, cleaned up with, they show scrubbed free of negative facts. <laughs> they show the nasty stuff. And, 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 and you know, all I care about is the truth. And, yeah, of course. And, like, and if you're making a documentary, you would hope that's what that would be included. Within. I recently saw that very controversial quote unquote documentary because it's not quite a documentary. Blackfish, have you seen it? I, I haven't seen it. You know of it? Of course, yeah. About I've heard nothing World about thing. the everything surrounding it for the last couple of, I guess, maybe months at this point. Yeah, it's it's very it's very one sided, but it definitely like raised some questions in my mind, and um, and now SeaWorld is putting out a lot of videos saying you know like they exaggerated or what this isn't true and i believe them as well i believe they're both telling truths but i would really love for an independent party to come in and tell that story completely unbiased right because i just want to know the truth is what it comes down to and i think that they're both telling partial truths so well they're they're telling the truths that favor their sides yeah that's probably their respective sides so i mean you would expect that a company like disney if they're producing documentaries about their content and their yeah. history, you would you would frankly expect as as anyone would you'd want to put a certain spin on it, and you'd certainly want to emphasize the positive and not go over uh, any any turmoil that was going on underneath. So if they did, I can appreciate that. That but, makes me even more intrigued to see them. But you got to admit, it took twenty years for them to be able to do that. The same well, stuff's course. going on today. Yeah, but we won't and hear about it for another you, twenty years. We're not going to hear about it for twenty. <laughs> we're not going to hear about so. what's going on but, uh, underneath the the Marvel and. Lucas and Ugh. Muppet stuff. We'll I hear about all that in a little I would love to know what's going on with uh, them and James Cameron because from what I hear, they're not getting along with this whole Avatar thing. Really? Yeah, I hear there's big problems. But, uh, but who knows what the truth is? Yeah, that's... They do. That's well, uh, yeah, that's probably it. So People we'll hear about it in doors. 20 years. Yeah. But, yeah. All right, we're going to end... You asked me where I came from. We'll end on... I'm from uh, Boston, Massachusetts. Oh, okay. See, I didn't know that. There's no trace of an accent or anything. There isn't, in there, and so that was not that's... on purpose. Even though most think, people think I, I lost the accent. Actually, when I was on TRL, it was Carson Daly. I, was just, <laughs> I had Carson. But um, now I need to see this video. <laughs> but um, yeah, no, I I lost it through singing from st- studying voice. Oh, okay. And um, it just was one of those things that kind of went away. And 
my mom still has a thick accent. My sister does, you know, and I lost it, but not on purpose the way people think. <laughs> you didn't go to an elocutionist and be like, I got a neutral. No, I got like, to neutralize this goddamn accent. No, it just kind of went away. <laughs> I'm trying to channel like a Dennis Leary thing, but I can't. Um, no, what we actually are going to end on is oh. you're only in Los Angeles. Oh, yes. Only in Los Angeles. Let Let's me, hear about let it. Let me remember if I can. I've, yeah, I've asked oh, you to withhold it from me yes. because I want it to be fresh. Only in Los Angeles. Oh, my God. Hold on a second. You said it's something that goes on everywhere else, but About not. Los Angeles. That's right. Okay. Which apparently is typical so this is, this LA. Is, this is kind of an opposite only in Los Angeles because this is like an only not in Los Angeles. Good. Go on. Okay. So you know how in most places in this country, people kind of play that game with their partners, their girlfriend, their boyfriend or whatever of, you know, there's that one, if I met so-and-so and had the opportunity <laughs> to have sex with them, okay. that one celebrity, yes, yes, you have to give me permission. It has to be okay for me to have sex with that person. It wouldn't be considered cheating. Mm-hmm. LA is the only place you cannot do that because you meet these people and you're at the same parties with these people. And the chances of running into that one exception is far too good. It's true. You know, you were absolutely right. That yes. it, it's the only are, this is the only place where that agreement cannot be made. Yeah, I have I have been at several parties where I'm like that person would have been on my list. So it's like, <laughs> yeah, you cannot you you cannot have that rule out here in LA. Only in Los Angeles can you not have the gimme in your relationship. Exactly. The the pass. Yeah. That's funny. That is really so, really good. That's my only in Los Angeles for you. Only is, not in Los Angeles. No, only in Los Angeles can you not get away with that. Yeah. So that's fine. Because wow, people really do that funny. everywhere, right? Everybody does. That. Of course, yeah. of course they do. There are those those tacit agreements where it's, oh yeah, if, yeah, sure. If you came in contact with Anne Hathaway, yeah, sure, go ahead. Good luck, yeah. enjoy it. I'll and, even write you a permission slip. Exactly. Uh, yeah, never, never happen out here though, because out here it's literally like you're both meet somebody drunk at a party, and yeah, ooh. not even that. You can just be. Next to somebody at Barnes and Noble, seriously, and just be like, "Oh crap!" <laughs> like well, there they are. Have you ever done the whole met a celebrity and had no idea it was a celebrity, or not even necessarily a huge celebrity, just somebody who's worked and in you know had no idea? Not yet. I, I mean, I really. Oh yeah, I can't even think of you. Don't. I mean, you don't need to cop to it. No, when when I do run into people, if there happens to be a conversation that comes out of it, whether I'm introduced to said person by a, a mutual friend or acquaintance. Or uh, just if if I bump into somebody, uh, which sometimes we do through work, and uh, I'll usually just try to be human with them. I don't like I don't like kissing anybody's ass, and I don't like just I don't want to fan out on somebody because I feel like that would be really lame. And I have met some very cool people, but I don't want to be the person who immediately starts quoting my favorite lines. Oh my god, this was the best thing, and uh, I couldn't stop watching because I figure for as many of those interactions they have during the day, they probably don't have someone who they don't know just kind of being normal to them. So I really, it's not that I need to go out of my way, it's just people are people. And when you're standing right next to somebody, you're not thinking, there's this aura about them. You're thinking, oh, here's just another person. In the context of like you and I maybe running into people, we're all working. Yeah. So I don't look at it as, oh, this is my moment to sit and BS this or talk yeah, shop I think or whatever. It has to be the right moment. It has to yeah. be after a show or a perform or whatever. If they're at a right. stage or in the and there have and there have been parties. I did sign, I did recently uh, get, get to meet. Well, I, I tweeted about it. I could talk about it. I did uh, get introduced to uh, Angela Bassett when I was at a a concert uh, with what my cousin was playing with uh, Trombone Shorty down in uh, Hollywood, and uh, she was at the after party and. He yeah. introduced us to her. My sister and I were there and uh, did chat with her a little bit about 
a few things that, that she done in overall. And we talked about the band, of course, but I did at least want to say I really love Strange Days. That was a great movie. It's one of those movies not enough people have seen, but they really should. So, uh, which, by the way, is a blog coming soon to chrisabala.com, uh, good listeners. And uh, so in a case like that, I thought I'd like to take a few seconds to bring up, and it might be something obscure she doesn't hear about. She probably hears about ER or American Horror Story right now. Cause mm-hmm. she's, she's in the current uh, series of that. I thought, well, let me at least say that because that movie honestly did blow my mind when I saw it and I thought she she was great in it. So I did mention that, but then the conversation went completely down to music and just kind of everyday, you know, work. <laughs> we did talk shop for a little bit, that's but uh, she was they, incredibly sweet. Yeah, that's all that they want to do. They just want to be hanging with normal people. That's it. Yeah, so I didn't I didn't go crazy. I didn't go, oh, my God. I never asked for pictures with people because I don't like doing but that. But if you wanted to have sex with her and she was your one on the list, it could have been a possibility. Who knows? Yeah, but she's way married, though. She's been married for like 20 years. It's Hollywood. That's my rule. It's Hollywood. Nobody is 100% straight. Nobody is 100% married. That is so terrible. You hear that? <laughs> that you hear so, that, middle America? That is so terrible. And that's why the rest of the country hates Hollywood. I think you might be right. We're all just having sex with each other. It doesn't matter what gender or what level of commitment. It's terrible. It's just that one big fuck party. And no, on I, that note. I actually, I actually am going to end on a different no, simply all right. because simply because it's all about you. Ha- no, having made that joke, uh-huh. I would like to say some of the nicest and greatest people I have ever met have been out here in Los Angeles. So if you are listening to this from somewhere else in the country and you have that stigma of everybody in LA is on drugs and whatever and phony. Yeah. It is 100% not true. Yeah. Well, 98% not true. There are definitely those people out here. <laughs> but I think that there are those people everywhere. I'm telling you, I've met some of the nicest, greatest, most wonderful people out here. I agree. People okay. like you and I who came out here to work. We didn't come out here just to be yeah. in the in the throes of of fame and, and glamour. We, we and the can... mountains of cocaine that you can ski down. No, we didn't come here for that. Yeah. Actually, you know what? There's. I don't think I talked about this in a show already. So screw it. I'm going to mention it now. If I did mention it, Ignore. Back in like January after, yeah, after my forward. visit to New Jersey. Yeah, just forget it. I apologize. It's just having a chat here. So what happened was I'd gone into my uh, cell phone provider, one of their branches to, uh, or stores, I should say, to uh, pay my bill. And uh, we were just chatting and he saw it a California license and he said, oh, wow. So are you just visiting here? And we kind of chatted a little bit. And he's he was a huge Back to the Future fan. Uh-huh. So he'd taken uh, trips out here it? just, of my course. God. Um, well, he was in his 30s as well, so I kind of expected it. Oh, my God. But he had made trips out here to see the Burger King on, on Victory. Which you know, I drive by, there. like, every day. And I literally <laughs> think about every you, time. I, I Literally every time I drive by it. Mm-hmm. I do, too. It's hard should to not I, think about. Because should I tell my it. Back to the Future story or not? Well, let me finish let this you, one because I'll, I'll never get back to it. Or it'll be another yeah. half hour. Um, this I swear this is going somewhere and quickly. Um, and so he had made several trips out here, but he was, uh, I believe born and bred in New Jersey. And, uh, I had just said, see, you've been out there. So at least you have an informed opinion when it comes to people in California. He's like, Oh, I love it out there. I can't blame you at all for moving away from the, the crazy weather. Cause it was cold. I mean, New Jersey was just battered with cold weather and snow for months. It seemed. And, uh, that was kind of the beginning of it. Uh, when I was home between Christmas and New Year's and he said, Here's the thing, though, I like about being out there. He said, people complain about people being fake. And, uh, you know, everyone out there is a phony and, and nobody's actually, uh, nobody's honest or nobody's up front with you. He said, but you know what? I'd rather have somebody smile at me 
and say, have a nice day and not mean it than have somebody over here say, fuck you. Yeah. And mean, he said, I'd rather have somebody just be nice to me, even if they don't really mean it, than have somebody getting, get crude with me or, you know, just be rude for no reason whatsoever. Yeah. And I did agree with that. That's one of the things I thought about. And I said, okay, yeah, you are right. I mean, yeah, I prefer it anyway, uh, over the kind of, um, the brashness of that, that you kind of get on the East coast, which is another stereotype, but I did have to agree with that. But anyway, back to the future. Let's go. Back to the future. Let's go with that. T- this, is like, this is like this Return is, of the King. It just has like, so many endings to this, this show. Yeah, is this like two hours at this point? Or I don't even know. Ah, it's probably teetering. I also have to make my monologue really, really short. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, uh, Back to the Future, One of it's my favorite trilogy of all time. And another like pinch me moment I've had out here was I was doing background way back when on a show called Ghost Whisperer that starred Jennifer Love Hewitt, and they used the the courthouse square set from Back to the Future yes. over at Universal Studios. That's where they shot. And so I was doing background on the show, which was cool enough being on that set. And by the way, they had great crafts service catering. Oh, my God. They had really good food on that show. Nice. Um, but who was on the episode that day, because he did quite a few episodes of the show, Tom Wilson, a.k.a. Biff. So I have been on the set of Back to the Future with Biff. On a set where there were key scenes within, without Biff. Yeah. Just key scenes in the movie. That was the entire center of the movie. Yeah. Frankly, especially the first one. Unbelievable. And I asked him, I'm like, is this weird? And he was just like, it was a movie, man. It's a job. I was like, (laughs) all right. Um, But... Yeah, he never had that experience the rest of us did where we watched it and we were just enthralled. He was in the middle of it, so he could probably never see it for what it is. You know, George Lucas said that once, and it really like threw me back when somebody was like, what did you do the first time you saw Star Wars? He goes, I never saw Star Wars the way that you guys did. Yeah. He goes, it was a completely... He goes, I will never have the Star Wars experience. And I thought about that. And I'm like, oh my Lord, he is 100% correct. Yeah. He it's will true. never know what it's like to sit in a dark movie theater and have that a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, mm-hmm. show up on screen and not know it's for the first next. time. Yeah. And yeah, have that. I'm it's like, true. that is so. So this man who gave us this incredible gift will never be able to enjoy the gift. It's you know, it's funny. I was I'm watching sure the billions of dollars makes up for it. Yeah, it's that true. probably eases the, the pain yeah. of never having that experience. But I actually I was watching a, uh, a Pink Floyd documentary with my cousin and we were this is. I don't know, 10, 12 years ago. And uh, the guitarist for Pink Floyd, David Gilmore, was talking about Dark Side of the Moon and saying, I never had that experience that everyone else had, that listening to it for the first time and being submerged, you know, immersed, I should say, uh, yeah. in the album where everybody had that experience. He's like, I didn't get that experience. And my cousin said, wow, that actually makes me feel bad for him. And I said, you know what, though? Only four people made that album, and he's one of them. Yeah. So he has that distinction, yeah, which is absolutely. as much as it means that it ha- that something like that has a following, and it's a similar parallel with uh, Star Wars and George Lucas. It's still, you know what? There's only a handful of people who've done something like that that has ended up meaning something to billions of people. Yeah. So there you go. It's, it's, it's cool to be one of them, but yeah, you'll, you'll never see it for what it is. Yeah. And... That'll do it, I think. I think, we I think we've done it. Bit of farewell. So people can follow you on Twitter, correct? Yes. Everything pretty much is at Jeff DePauly and jeffdepauly.com. So, and you know how to spell that because you heard the song exa- at the top J-E-F-F-D-E-P, of the... J-E-F-F-D-E-P as in Paul, A-O-L-I.com. There's and, the Twitter, the Instagram. And Disney Coast to Coast, Disney of course. Disney Coast to Coast. On iTunes. iTunes and YouTube. Um, and YouTube channel, Jeff DePauly Entertainment. It's all over the place. 
So find me, like me, subscribe, listen, all that stuff. That's right. And while you're doing that, folks, don't forget to subscribe to Chris Apollo's Podcast Experiment on iTunes. Give the show five stars. Please write a little review. It's very much appreciated. Give the show the thumbs up on Facebook. You can follow the show on Twitter at Cape Pod. And that will do it. Thank you very much, Jeff, for coming and sitting down this week. Thank you for having me. Of course. So... Until next time, for Jeff DePoli, this is Chris Abalo, and this was yet another experiment. Experiment.